Today's podcast is sponsored by the 2022 Westminster Conference, September 9th and 10th. Register now online at rpts.edu slash events. And there's more at the conclusion of today's program. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt. I am pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Carl Truman, who is professor at Grove City College, um, best-selling author, um, uh, globe-trotting bon vivant. Um, uh, uh, what else can Rack I say? Raconteur. Raconteur. Uh-huh. Yes. Exactly. And, uh, and I, I carry with me this ongoing nagging suspicion that uh, the whole English accent is made up. Um, that you're actually born and raised in Wildwood, New Jersey, uh, that you're friends with Snooky. And uh, I, I just have this nagging suspicion that that's the truth. But I, I don't have the abs to hang around with that crowd. <laughs> you don't have the abs or the hair. Well, the, Nothing no, to gel the, up. The hair has gone. I've noticed actually that, that you are now competing with me for the baldest guy on the show. Right. Well, I, uh, I, it seems that the rapidity of our hair loss has been very complimentary over the years, yeah, Carl. Yeah. That we seem to have added um, uh, enough stress to each other's lives that it's. Happened. I was going to say I had a full head of hair before I started working with you. I, I, when, so. when I met you, I had combable hair, um, and so now I I, I don't. Well, uh, we're delighted uh, with the guests that we have on um, t- today. Our guests are Chad and Emily Van Dixhorn, and as you might imagine, they are uh, husband and wife. Uh, Chad is a professor of church history at uh, Westminster Theological Seminary. Um, Emily, uh, Chad's wife, uh, is also a writer, as is Chad. In fact, she wrote the study guide uh, for Chad's wonderful book, uh, A Reader's Guide on the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith. I was telling uh, the Van Dixhorns earlier that I meet with a group of men from my church on Wednesday mornings, and that's the book we're studying to just really uh, get more and more men in our church grounded in um in our confession. In fact, if you're a member of a, of a Presbyterian church, I would commend to you uh, those twin uh, volumes, a uh, reader's guide uh, to the Westminster Confession of Faith by Chad Van Dixhorn and the study guide by his wife, uh, Emily. They're great. Uh, they're, they're, they're warmly written and wonderful companion to our confession of faith. So I would commend that to you. But we're not here to talk with them about that. We're here to talk to uh, Chad and Emily about their new book. It's called Gospel Shaped Marriage. Grace for Sinners to Love Like Saints. And I'll just say uh, right out of the bat, um, I've really appreciated uh, reading it. I was telling before we went on air, I was telling the Van Dixhorns that they handle with refreshing biblical clarity and common sense, Christian common sense warmth, um, several issues related to marriage that are controversial. And they, with great confidence, just lean right into the scriptures, but do so with warmth. And um, you'll find that throughout this 
uh, new book. So Chad and Emily Van Dixhorn, thank you so much for being willing, first of all, uh, to uh, appear on a program with Carl Truman. We are very thankful for uh, for your risk-taking uh, willingness to take risks like that. Thanks for uh, for joining us. And thank you for uh, the new book. Tell me, um, kind of, uh, when did you all decide that it might not be too risky for your marriage to write a book together about marriage? I, I'm not sure we are still entirely decided that it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were asked to write one a few years ago, and we thought about it and thought, well, it'll at least be good for us to think about our marriage. Uh, and, and away we went. Yeah, and it started out as a Sunday school class, and it was well-received and then edited for a book. Yeah. Well, it's really wonderful, and I appreciate the approach to it. I wonder if you just tell our, our audience a little bit about um, – what thought went into kind of how you structured the book in, in terms of the chapter uh, topics? Um, uh, what went into that? So if I, if I could jump in, the, the, the first chapter, the Bible in marriage, just sort of sets foundations. And then um, a- Emily really uh, pushed for us to have a chapter, which we've entitled History in Marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just so useful. It's a second foundational chapter that sets marriage in its fourfold state. Uh, and it, it, at first I wasn't sold on it, but eventually <laughs> I've seen that that's just really important. Yeah. Uh, yeah I like to see the big picture mm-hmm. um, and that puts marriage in the big picture yeah. from creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really helpful. And then grace and marriage is sort of the third mm-hmm. foundational uh, uh, chapter. Uh, and it kind of explains the dynamic that kind of works through uh, the rest of the chapters, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we hope even the foundational chapters are are, are practical. Uh, but but they mm-hmm. sort of three set the stage, yeah. um, and 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 the way we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I read the the the, the chapters, uh, women and marriage, and men and marriage, where you where you go into this issue of of headship and submission, um, I don't know if I've read a better kind of explanation of of those biblical principles it's it's done really well um again you you don't seem to be embarrassed at all by what the bible actually says which is refreshing but but you and you explain it in a way that that i think is obviously very faithful to the scriptures but um makes a a a a great deal of of sense to to an issue that is you know full of controversy today even among christians i Mm -hmm. I think you handle those two chapters really well. And it's one I'm going to be commending. Um, one of the reasons I'm going to be commending uh, this book is because I just, I think it handles that issue just so faithfully and, and so well. Given, you know, the controversy of that topic and, and how oftentimes, I, I, and I don't know any other way to say it, how oftentimes Christians seem to be embarrassed of certain words in, in Ephesians chapter 5, um, I wonder, Emily, first of all, if you would just kind of, if you could just unpack a little bit about about the approach you all took, first of all, in the chapter, Women in Marriage. Mm-hmm. So Women in Marriage, we first look at, um, well, I'm thinking this is just our perspective. We think about mutual submission in mm-hmm. the Christian life, right. that submission is not something we're embarrassed about as Christians, mm-hmm. um, that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. 
Um, so women in who are married wives have a special call to excel in this grace um, in the context of the marriage. Um, not submitting to all men as if all men are our husband, but to demonstrate this submission to our husband. Now, often it's not really that um, perceptible. Mm-hmm. It, we're just being Christian. Right. We're serving, we're putting others first. Um, and that's what a wife does for her husband. Yeah. And, and, and I thought that getting to that point was one of the things that, uh, that made this helpful is, is you, you really frame it in terms of Christian discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not some foreign alien kind of appendix to marriage, but as an expression of Christian discipleship with, with within marriage as, as wives and husbands are laboring for the others Christ likeness. And that there's a unique way that the wife labors towards that for the sake of her husband and a unique way that the husband labors towards that for the sake of his wife. Um, chat a little bit on that, on that next chapter then, um, men and marriage and the responsibilities that that God calls uh, the the husband to um, just kind of help our uh, uh, listeners understand how, how how the two of you framed uh, that chapter and what and what went into it. Yeah, so so those two chapters and the one before are both centered around Ephesians chapter five mm-hmm. and um, uh, the the just the, the concise gospel filled description of of mutual wifely and husbandly duties. And that includes the, the, the husband's duty, of course, to, to love the wife, love his wife rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so of, of course I, I reflect on what it means to love one's wife as Christ loves the church, which is j- just, just such a, a striking and comprehensive and sacrificial mm-hmm. understanding of love. But, but in both of those chapters, one of the, the main things we're doing is not just, sort of talking about uh, the duty of a wife and then the duty of a husband. But, but we're, we're asking ourselves, what does it mean for me to know what Emily's duty is or for her to know what my duty is? And then how does she sweeten that task? How does she exercise grace? Not just in the way in which she uh, tries to fulfill uh, that aspect of her calling, but if I am to love Emily what can she do to make that task of mine as easy as possible? And if, and if she is to respect me, um, uh, then, then what, what can I do? And, and so this is a major part of that, of, of that chapter. What can I do to make myself respectable? Right. You, you know, you know, maybe less whining and complaining and, <laughs> and, 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 and worrying and all the things that I you know naturally do. Yeah. Um, and, and and so the, each chapter has those two dimensions. It's the flip side of the other person's duty. It, that, that's how we show grace and love mm-hmm. is is by is by focusing on that. And I suppose at the risk of running on, you know, sometimes I think I'm really blessing Emily by uh, you know kind of reminding her of of what God calls her to do. Yeah. It's turned out to be less of an exciting blessing than I thought it would be. <laughs> it, it turns out to be more helpful. For me to be thinking, wow, if if she has to respect someone like me, w- what kind of work do I need to put into mm, yeah. my Christian life yeah. uh, to make that task as easy as possible? It's really good. Yeah. Do you think there are particular temptations towards which men and women are prone in, in this day and age in marriage that that we need to be aware of in order to be able to uh, critique, compensate for, 
address within our own marriages? Mm, the first one that comes to mind is to um, try and correct or direct the spouse more than we pray for the spouse. The simple perspective, you know, have you prayed about that yet? Have you prayed for your spouse to grow in that way yet? And let God do the work. So sort of um, marriage by nagging, I would say we need to toss that out the window and do marriage by prayer more. And just to uh, complement that, I, I think in terms of Emily's worry about oversimplification, I think that we can uh, perhaps as as men and perhaps increasingly oversimplify issues in a marriage. And so I, I've just seen too many parents who simplify or reduce every issue down to one of respect. Um, there's a there's a kind of a Christian subculture that reduces every problem in a marriage down to one of respect also or submission. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we're prone to we're increasingly prone to oversimplifications. Uh, that one's you know, particularly unhelpful uh, to reduce every, everything down to that issue. Yeah. And, and I was also I identified very much with what you wrote about the fact that how little this issue actually comes up in your marriage, because I have the same experience. I mean, I, I, I tried to remember times when my wife and I had to have a conversation. And I know it's not like this in every marriage, but but I think where we're laboring towards one another, husbands and wives might be amazed at how little they actually have to talk about um, submission and leadership um, because it's it's more derivative of our pursuit of Christ and our our, our mm. discipleship and and you 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 make that point you know this is not a, an issue that uh, in a healthy marriage you should be having to talk about a whole lot <laughs> it'd be a little bit like a professor who constantly has to remind the the students you know i'm the professor <laughs> right, who, right. uh if you have to do that all the time one, one wonders if there's a kind of lack of natural credibility <laughs> right and the way in which one speaks and lives yeah that, that demands that constant extra effort exactly exactly and 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 you also bring out this point is is uh, part of the art of this is husbands and wives being comfortable doing what th- what they're particularly gifted with in in the marriage mm-hmm. you know my, my wife is our is our bookkeeper because she's just better at it than i am mm-hmm. and and i learned that we both learned that in our first two years of marriage and and at first, my, my idea was, well, I'm the husband. I'm the one who's supposed to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have that hang up at all. And I realized I didn't need to have that hang up. And it's a good thing for us mm-hmm. uh, because she's just her mind works much better with those. And 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 husbands and wives need to give each other the freedom to um, to grow into those skills that they do better. And a husband needs to be willing to say, my wife is better at this thing than I am. And that that's okay. Mm. My wife does all the color schemes in her house. So I've noticed <laughs> Good that for that. I've, I've given her, I, I now basically only have plain white shirts because <laughs> I know that any tie goes with a plain white shirt. <laughs> for, for years, I used to have to say, does this shirt go with this tie? I, I couldn't get my head around color schemes. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Family. Uh, Chad and Emily, I, I remember some years ago, being, my wife and I were, were reflecting on how many people we knew and how many people we saw in the public realm who got divorced after 23, 24 years of marriage. And it, mm. it perplexed us because we thought, well, wow, after 24 years, you, you'd think you, you fit together pretty well. well. 
and then our kids went to college mm. and we realized, mm-hmm. wow, uh, now we understand. We, we didn't feel any tension ourselves, but we suddenly realized, yeah, a lot of people build their lives around their kids. And when the kids aren't there anymore, they suddenly realize they don't have anything in common. Um, how do you, you know, as with all of these questions, it's never a one size fits all. But how would you counsel couples uh, biblically on how to, I would say, balance their commitment and their relationship to each other uh, with the, their obligations to, to nurture their family? Well, I have one basic big picture perspective is that marriage is for companionship. Yes, it is for raising children, but it's also for companionship. So let's not forget that. For those of us who have children for many years in the house, that the marriage is still for companionship, Mm -hmm. even during those years. So it's good, as hard as it is, to take some time out just to be a friend and a companion to your spouse. Um, And remember, you are more than just people who feed, change, clothe, and pay for your children. Mm -hmm. So we made a commitment to neglect our children every Sunday evening. (laughs) Uh, We, uh, you know, they'd get home from the evening service and we would just tell them to forage for themselves (laughs) Uh, and, and as best as possible, you know, make themselves useful, get themselves into bed. Um, and then we would have a kind of lavish private date consisting of Friday night's leftover pizza and a glass of wine. But it was on a real plate, not the paper. Oh yeah. yeah. Like real plastic, not paper. Um, and, uh, we, we would, we would just always have our relatively uninterrupted date at a smaller table in the house with just the two of us. Um, now it wasn't always, I mean, well, that's true. Sometimes was, it was chaperone, but, but house guests and there's seasons, different seasons of life. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. had a form of this in different times, yeah. but I will say there was a time when we had not gone out on a date in a very long time, but the Lord provided someone in our church who would just come up to us and say, you guys need to go out, pull out your calendar. I'm coming over and I'm going to babysit. Mm. And that's what the Lord did for us. It was very nice. And believe it or not, it was still hard to schedule that, but it was good. And we went out and that's so, so I guess the, the main point that, that I hear us both saying is before the children leave the house, we need to be focusing on mm-hmm. the relationship between the two of us. And that doesn't come as such a jolt. But I think the second thing is, and this would constitute one of the major sub themes in the last third of the book is that we, We're trying to remember that uh, the way in which our marriage got stronger and a way which think uh, the way in which many marriages get stronger is 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 not by full on family time and then little little retreats that are, uh, you know, dates or whatever, although that's that's good. The way in which the marriage gets stronger is by doing things together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, for many families, that thing you do together is raising children by but it also ought to include all along, as God gives opportunity, other ways of serving as a couple. Yeah. Um, and uh, er- early in our marriage, I-, I ran the risk of analyzing it to death. You know, we'd have a we'd have an issue, and I'd say, "Right, let's go sit down and kind of talk it all out." And that that constant focus on the marriage, some attention was needed for the marriage, but that constant attention 
was actually not really the best thing for us. Sometimes what we needed to do was, was to go, uh, you know, rake the lawn together mm. or have, have people over in our home to play a game together, just do something, go d- visit a widow together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually something, a shared purpose was what's helpful. And I mean, we kind of know that intuitively, you know, we, we make friends with people at work because we have a shared purpose together. We do work together uh, and we don't just entertain ourselves together. That, that, that makes for a, a fragile mm-hmm. friendship. Right. If we're just entertaining ourselves together. Yeah. And it's interesting as I've done, um, and I, and I, I know you all have done some premarital counseling. I've done premarital counseling. And one of the things that I, I run across with young couples that are getting ready to be married is that there oftentimes seems to be um, this idea that it, for, for something to, to really kind of uh, fuel the, the deep affection and romance in a marriage, it has to be spontaneous, that somehow careful planning and deliberate choices somehow d- diminish and, and just the opposite is true, uh, particularly once you have kids. Uh, wouldn't you say that that's the case, that, that if you're not being real intentional and doing some of these things deliberately, uh, spontaneity is pretty much out the window in terms of cr- crafting time to, to build the marriage? Mm-hmm. And then you can find ways of being spontaneous in the way you show affection for one right. another, even within a planned Right. Outing or event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been really great having you both on as guests. Uh, we do want to commend this book to our listeners. A lot of books out there on marriage, but this is wonderfully concise and, uh, and beautifully written. It's mm-hmm. Gospel Shaped Marriage Grace for Sinners to Love Like Saints uh, by Chad and Emily Van Dixorn, foreword by Alistair Begg. Uh, so there is a high imprimatur. Uh, for the contents of this book. Uh, it's published by Crossway. Uh, if you visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, we have a couple of copies to give away. You can enter for a chance to win one of those. If you don't win, uh, please buy a copy. Uh, read it, reflect upon it, meditate upon what it has to say. And while you're at our website, if you feel led, please make a donation. We are a uh, listener-supported Uh, podcast. In the meantime, all that remains is to say thank you very much to Chad and Emily for coming on today, and we look forward to being with the rest of you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. So uh, this has not like being on with Carl and I hasn't just defined the horizons of your consciousness for the last number of weeks. I'm kind of hurt. Yeah, it's hurtful. (laughs) 
Well, Emily was just recently um, at my church speaking at our women's banquet uh, a couple of months ago. I had a very good time good, there. Good. Well, you were appreciated. So, did, did you actually get to visit the Pruitt home, Emily? Ah, uh, goodness, I Carl. Think been, I think I've been allowed to into it once in the in the what fifteen years of our friendship. Carl Truman, or man. Yeah, <laughs> I remember driving all the way to Virginia <laughs> with Matt Usey. We arrived it, at your house, this, and you wouldn't let us in. This is we had to such go a. I, I apologize for my friend Carl. He has an exotic relationship with the truth, and I just don't know. <laughs> For many churches, the sacraments hold little significance. Others assign them an unbiblical purpose or meaning. Gain a Reformed perspective on the sacraments of the church. Join the pastor professors of Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary for the 2022 Westminster Conference, September 9th and 10th near Pittsburgh, PA. It's the Westminster Standards and the Means of Grace. The sacraments as holy signs and seals of the covenant. Keith Evans, Richard Gamble, Jeffrey Stuyvesant, David Whitla, C.J. Williams, and Barry York explore the sacraments as a mark of the church. The essential insights of Calvin, Lord Warriston, and more. Friday evening and Saturday morning, September 9th and 10th at Providence Presbyterian Church in McKees Rocks, PA. Learn more or register now online at rpts.edu slash events. rpts.edu slash events. The 2022 Westminster Conference, sponsored in in part by the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Save with early registration through August 9th.